A welcome to Generation Tech, the uh, show where we talk about tech from the perspective of two different generations who've been involved with tech for many, 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 many years. <laughs> I'm Todd Brinker. I'm joined, as always, by my dad, Jack. How are you today? Feeling very fortunate today. I uh, Unfortunately, uh, you mentioned age. It brings to mind that I just found out that my last first-grade schoolmate uh, uh, that was still alive with me passed away last week, or a couple of days ago, I should say. You know what's more shocking than I mean, and, and I, I, I'm sorry for your for you know your your uh, schoolmates passing, but what's almost more shocking than than you know you're you're the last of your first grade class to be around at least as far as you know is that you know. I couldn't even tell you anybody in my first grade class, or or, or have I been in touch with them, or I, I remember a name of any of them. <laughs> You well, know. you say if you know, there's one of them that I didn't know that was right. in the picture, and that was because she only was in the first and second grade and left right. the town, the second grade, you know, the family moved away. Yeah. But when you only when you only have seven in your class, right. you know, it's a little yeah. easier. <laughs> you live in a small town. When you grew up, you grew up in a tiny little town. And I experienced that a little bit later in my school years. But, uh, you know, my first grade year, I went to a public school in Ohio. And then second grade, you sent me to a Catholic school in Ohio. And then we moved out of Ohio. And so it's like I don't remember any of those people and have not been in touch with anybody from first and second grade. You yeah. Know? Uh, yeah. And then when we moved to New Mexico, I spent a couple years at the uh, – it wasn't really a public school, but it was a public school on the military base. And then I went back to a Catholic school, and that's where I kind of experienced the really small class, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so what was it, 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, I was there. And uh, like my 8th grade class, I think there was 12 of us, you know. Yeah, it's, it's per- pretty rare for your generation. Uh, it wasn't even – uh, common, I don't think, in my generation to spend the first 18 years of your life in the same house, you know? Right. Well, with the exception of the first year, I guess. My, mm-hmm. But I don't remember the move, you know, th- that age. Right. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, so um, anyway, yeah. time moves on. And, yeah. Uh, well, I got, I, I've actually got some bad news, too. I've got a... a good friend from um from my bowling league who um uh i guess his he had a heart attack last wednesday evening and has been in in the hospital and on life support and he's also diabetic and he's had to go through dialysis while he's and he's been unconscious and i apparently things went bad last night and i'm i'm you know kind of expecting the worst when we get the news probably here later today Um, yeah and uh, he's a couple years younger than me and so you know well, that that's the thing that gets you as you get up in age is, mm-hmm. is seeing younger people, you yeah. know, the, the age of you, my kids, you know, right? Uh, age that just uh, or, or or even more heartbreaking is what's going on in the world that threatens so many young, really yeah. young kids, you know, like the war thing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. shocking. That's you know, really that's um, uh, you know, it, as a timely conversation, you know, we're sitting here. You know, about a week into uh, Russia's attack on Ukraine, and uh, you know, and the the news out of Ukraine is, you know, it, it's war, it's horrific, and it's, you know, there's a whole bunch of people who have not, you know, while while we were in Afghanistan for a long time, it was it was little skirmishes here and there. It wasn't large scale war like this with tanks rolling oh, yeah. into into yeah. you know. Well, I guess they haven't actually rolled into any cities. The Ukrainian people have, have held well, their cities thus far. and 
Well, uh, we've we've given some given them some anti tank tank weapons. Yeah. The most the most dramatic use I saw of those was uh, just a, a little blurb that was on, showed up this morning on the web. Mm-hmm. Maybe you saw it, but uh, it was one of their missile launchers that had the probably seven or eight missiles uh, tubes mm-hmm. with the missiles in them, all r- sort of wrapped around the top of the. So it was a launcher, one that, that right. pops up and then, you know, they probably fire most of them pretty rapid fire after right. that but anyway uh they somebody got a picture of, of one of those suckers getting hit by a rocket from right. the ukraines and man did that cause an explosion i wouldn't want to have been in the area but the right. camera su- survived or at least so somebody... i just 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 before we came on today i had cnn on in fact i've got it on with silent right now and they showed uh, a british guy walking down the length of this bridge and uh there's just completely destroyed vehicles the entire length of the bridge and they're all uh russian assault vehicles and tanks and and there's just nothing left of them and this is the ukraine using those uh uh anti-tank uh anti-vehicle weapons and some of them like they showed a guy uh yesterday i saw they showed a ukrainian guy walking with an anti-tank launcher that's a uk version a model of one and yeah. I mean, you think you know, you think back of those World War II movies and guys walking around with bazookas. Well, this thing's—it's thicker, but it's about half half as long, and it looks like it maybe yeah. weighs thirty pounds. And he's you know he's walking around with it, and it's like you know yeah. when you've got a, a a single individual that has that much firepower on his shoulder, um, you know that's impressive. So, you know, yeah. um, here's to the you know U- Ukrainian people, you know, fighting for their freedom. So. Well, we're we're in a missile world, and yeah. uh, I I told mom when this whole thing started, you know, you, they kept showing those air views of all these tanks parked mm-hmm. in those parking lot kind of areas. Right. You know, yeah, as they were and, uh, getting ready and, for the invasion. And 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 I and I t- looked over at her and and said, I would sure hate to be any one of the guys responsible for working in that environment because tanks are not the way to go these days. You know, mm-hmm. they 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 may contra- contain lots of horsepower, but they are also a, just a, flo- a, a vehicle coffin. Yeah, Ro- rolling coffin is how I've heard them referred to it in some senses too. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, and and all tanks are not equal either. You know, I mean, um, and, oh yeah. Uh, uh, the the Soviet era tanks, for the most part, have to stop before they can fire, um, and so they're sitting still, and uh, yeah. you know. You know, when you look at the uh, the uh, U.S. tanks, they can be zipping along seventy miles an hour, you know, firing continuously. Yep. So it's it's just a different. It, they look similar from the outside, but it's not the same vehicle. They work differently. And uh, you know, so. I, I I think that you know some people with World War II uh, thinking mm-hmm. uh, sort of thinks that is enough to scare people. You know, right. Well, man, if you got the if you got the right missiles, that didn't scare you at all. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, there, <laughs> there, there was a uh, a, a retired uh, officer on one of the shows, and I can't recall whether he was a general or a colonel or something, but he was talking about um, the the in order to fight against a an infantry unit now when you we, when you have a mechanized uh, army the people in the troop carriers have to stop and get out and then go, you know, win the battle on the ground before the tanks can move forward. And he said that Mm -hmm. apparently from what they're seeing is that the Russian military is very hesitant to get out of the armored vehicles. They want to fight from the vehicles. 
And in today's battle uh, field, that's that's a death knell. He said that they can't do that. Well, you, you know they're not going to scare those guys because they want him to perform. You know, get in that thing and make it make it work. You know, so yeah. they so they're they're seeing themselves in a safe place. And, right. Well, that's it. Why would you uh, get out from cover to go out and fight somebody? And it's like, well, because it's not really yeah. cover; it's a target. And if you understand that, then you get out. You know, but <laughs> right. but um, you know, anyway. Um, Again, we'll, 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 let's get back to tech, but uh, I think we could probably. Well, 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 uh, th- th- this is this is tech. It's just old tech, Todd. It, well, it is tech, or it's military <laughs> tech, right? Yeah, it's it's right. uh, uh, it is was, tech in a way. My, that was my business for twenty years. Is how, yeah. how to stay ahead of the tech game. Right. <laughs> well, and last I think was it last week on the show you actually talked a little bit about the fact that uh, that you knew we were you had read about uh, some of the anti tank weapons being sent to them and and had kind of predicted that. Uh, yeah. that this would not bode well for people in tanks. Now, the other thing that surprises me, quite frankly, so far, to, to stay on the on the war, is um, given the, the numbers, they have apparently yet to establish air superiority, and, and the Ukrainians still have a functioning and fighting air force, which um, is impressive. Yeah, yeah, but right after tanks, guess what's the next flying coffin? Yeah, the thing that, <laughs> that missiles can hit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and and they weren't able to take out the defenses early on like they thought they would. Right. Because because what happens in the defense force kinds of systems these days, the, they're just looking for any kind of radiation in the sky, and that and right. that's what the missile tracks. That right. missile just goes right after you when you got any kind of radiation going on, like a radio to, to yeah. help you aim the, the, the weapons or whatever. Right. So, it's a. Uh, it, well, and back to the to the you know World War Two thinking, uh, or or even more recent, you're not sh- you know if you're in an airplane looking to take out anti aircraft missiles or anti tank missiles, you're not looking for a large battery. These days, it's a guy, it's a dude, yeah. it's a dude with something on his shoulder hiding behind you know a, a, a tree. You know it, yeah. that's really hard to spot when you're flying around. Yeah, you know. Yep. Anyway. Uh... It's uh, it's going to be a long drawn out thing, and what really worries me most is the fact that uh, that uh, Putin's kind of gone crazy on us, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, and and of course that's that's his intention is to make it you know appear that he's unhinged and crazy when he's you know dropping hints about or or saying we're raising the level of our our nuclear arms security and, and and part of that's also playing to his home audience saying hey we're being threatened and that's why we're doing this although it seems apparent that a lot of people in russia are able to despite his best efforts get information online and and are you know basically yeah. calling him out and saying you know this is bull and right. uh, and so there's protests going on there you got to really you know uh applaud those people because anybody who's protesting against vladimir putin in russia is russia. taking their life in their hands you know That's i right. mean to go yeah. out into the street and say to your government stop doing this when your government is a tyrant that's gutsy that's, that's gutsy yep you know as much as we complain about how how uh messy and sloppy democracy is uh you know we have people protesting in the streets and then they go home and sleep at night for the most part you know <laughs> It's, yeah, <laughs> you know it's it's big not, difference. Yeah, it, it's it's you know. Yeah, I learned I I learned on TV. I guess it was last night or this morning, but about the uh, the uh, Ukrainian leader and how he was a 
stand-up comedian. Yeah, he he was on a TV show. Yeah, he he was on a, and and ironically, did you know what his TV show was? His TV no. show was about a teacher who accidentally ends up president of a country. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> How is that for irony? Yeah. Uh, and he seems to be, at least at this point, and I don't know anything about the man and his politics, but at this point, he seems to be the right man in the right place at the right time. Yeah, uh, he does. Because, uh, you know, he seems to be a very inspirational leader. You know, his line about, you know, thank you for the offer, but I don't need a ride. I need guns. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Yep. You know, but that was that was his response when the uh, when the uh, U.S. offered to help him get out, and and he went, no, no, I'm staying right here. Yeah. Um, that that says more about the U.S. leadership than anything. Yeah. Well, and you, we have to offer. I mean, you know, you have yeah. to offer. I mean, it doesn't mean that you know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So, anyway. Uh, so we were going to talk a little bit about other fun tech stuff, and I guess this one's not great, but apparently the FBI says that we sh- should all be on alert a little bit more than we have been in the past. I'm not sure exactly what we can do, but apparently um, the there's been a big spike in schemes to break into your phone and take money out of bank accounts. And, and you know, almost everybody, I think, has, like, remote access to their bank account through their phone these days. And yeah. so... Uh, uh, apparently, there's some sophisticated scams to get to get at your money. A lot of them, um, quite frankly, are are um, are not actually technology scams as much as they are tricking people scams. That's, you know, yeah, that's the easiest way. It's the easiest way, and what happens is you'll get an email from somebody that's you know from something that it looks like it's from your bank, and it says, "Hey, you know, there's been a problem with your account. Click here to log in." And fix it. And you're not actually going to your bank. You're going to a fake website that's made to look just like your bank website. And as soon as yeah. you log in, you've given access to your account to the bad guys. And they will then immediately log into your actual account, take all your money, and yeah. and you're basically out of luck. Now, most banks are insured by the FDIC, so you know you should get your money back. But uh, you know it, it may not happen immediately it can cause a huge inconvenience for you and there's no guarantee you're getting everything back so you need to make yeah. sure that you're and there's a limit to how much you're getting back uh, yeah. because the FDIC has limits on how much they insure so uh, anyway the, yeah I, I i see it just uh, exactly as you described it uh, the, but these kind of articles are to tell you that there is this war that's going on and it's been a constant war for for as long as we've had uh, internet banking Right. Uh, it's uh, it's just the way the world turns. Uh, mm-hmm. People will try to use whatever capabilities they have. But uh, the biggest part is, as you said, was training individuals not to do stupid things with their yeah with their phones or computers or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, I would say you know I, I regularly get um, uh, emails from things that that purport to be somebody that I know or from a bank. Now, most of the time, it's not actually my bank, so it's real obvious that they're just guessing. And had it been, you know, like if I get something from Bank of America, well, I don't have an account at Bank of America. Um, So I know it's not real. But but if I did and I got that email, I might be tempted to accidentally click on it and look at it, you know. Um, But a a key thing is, and this is, um, I don't know that everybody does this, but uh, when you get an email, usually at the top of the email, it says who it is from. And then next to who it is from is a um, uh, the actual email address, right? So it'll say, like, 
you know, so-and-so, uh, a, a name, right? And next to it, it'll say, say like, something at something.com or dot whatever. If you look mm-hmm. at the part that says the something at something.com, if that is not the actual address of the place, then don't that that's a fake email, you know. Right. Um, yep. I, I get things that are purportedly from Amazon because I do I do a lot of my shopping at Amazon. You know, when I buy things instead of going out to the store, just yeah. click the button and it shows up. Um, but every so often I'll get an email from Amazon and I'll look at it and it says from Amazon, but then you'll look at the address and it'll say, you know, like it'll have a tilde in front of the word. It'll say tilde Amazon at, and then it'll say like, uh, you know, uh western.co. whatever, you know, and it's like, well, wait a minute, that's not yeah. an Amazon address. It's just got Amazon at the name. It's, you know, it's not from amazon.com. Uh and so, you know, that's garbage and I just throw it away. Yeah. But but if you don't think to look at that, it's real easy to click on it and then you're, you know, presented with something that looks very Amazony and so then, well, gosh, you know, do I do I log in here and 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 fix the thing they said that that's not right? If you're not thinking, yeah. it's real easy to get caught that way. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. called a phishing scheme, and that's by far the largest way people get ripped off on the internet with yeah. accounts. You yeah, know. they they spent a lot of time on this one on the SIM yeah. cards and SIM, yeah. which is a much more sophisticated scheme. That's a more targeted uh, thing where they're going after yeah. you specifically. They know who you are, and they somehow get a hold of your phone and and swap the SIM card in your phone, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, although yeah. I would I would suspect that like a lot of magicians, if you're adept at it, you can do it quicker and 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 surreptitiously, much yeah. m- more than people would believe you could, right? Right, right. So, but anyway, that is a physical card that plugs into your device and it's, it identifies your device uniquely. So that's right. That's important to the rest of the security of the uh, system. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. So. But, anyway. you know, unless you're somebody of renown, you know, a, a famous person or something or, or you know, a bank president or something like that, that they would really have a reason to target you that way. There's very little chance of somebody like coming after you in, in, in terms of trying to, you know, steal the, swim, the, the SIM card out of your phone. Um, well, but yeah. but it can happen. Yeah. To, to me, the biggest targets in all of this has to be personnel security in communications companies mm-hmm. as well as device companies. Uh, so, uh, you know, like any, anybody, I, I worry a little bit about iPhones being produced in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody who has, is anywhere involved with assembling devices can uh, somehow put it together in a way different than, the, than their, their uh the standard company managing it says they want it done. Right. So there has to be security of a lot of assemblers and people like that. Yeah. Personnel security. And when they're part of, uh, of a communist country, I say, how do you do that? You yeah. Know? Yeah. You got to figure that they're thinking and they've got, they've got their smartest people thinking about, well, how do we at the, at the manufacturer corrupt the security of this device to our benefit and and you, and you got to think that people from Apple are doing their best to say, how do we ensure that the devices we're getting are the way are are really the way we design them? But you realize that a lot of the they're doing assembly in China. A lot of the um, virtually all of the parts that are going into it are not made in China. They're made somewhere else. But yeah. there's nothing to say that somebody is you know somebody in China isn't also making those parts and that they're swapping them out before yeah. they you know. 
You know, well, there, there's and, all kinds of ways to sneak around stuff. But 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 the other way to catch those people who probably aren't very sophisticated, if that's their job, is uh, just assembly, uh, is to uh, have good tests that validate that mm-hmm. uh, you know that if you got sophisticated testing yeah. before you accept them the yeah. product that they've assembled uh, mm-hmm. and and there you have very few people in charge of that and you control everything that does right. that testing yeah you know? and i'm sure there's there's uh, uh sampling as things are manufactured too that they pull out and they you know take them apart and verify them and and you know and that's yep. ran- that's randomized so if they find anything that looks suspicious then they halt problem is is when you're making these things literally in the in the millions and billions um you know, can you? Che- how much can you check? It's got to yeah. be. It's got to be a you know randomized sampling. You're not going to be uh, checking everything. Yeah. So, so. anyway, uh, we we do depend on on a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and and how sophisticated they they were in the design to uh, to prohibit you know such kinds of shenanigans you know in the develop in the assembly yeah. process. Well, and quite frankly, you know, because Apple's designing their own chips and stuff too, and then they're they're they've selected you know TSMC to do the actual manufacture of some of the chips. Yeah. Um, they're using technology that's pretty much exclusive to them. There there are you know there aren't many there, there's nowhere else in the world that can go and make that chip um, the yeah. way they make it. And so it's 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 you know like I had suggested that well maybe you know Chinese China has a uh, chip manufacturing plant and they're making you know fake versions of the tsmc chips and slipping them into the production line somewhere um that's not very easily done you know that that is that's well anyway why don't don't we move on to a more interesting product yeah something something that sort of reminds us of things in the past yeah so we've got a flashback there was a um a uh it's a rumor, a Mac rumor. <laughs> well, what, what? Yeah, it's a rumor, absolutely a rumor. But it was uh, based on a uh, filing that Apple did for a patent. So Apple has filed for a patent. Uh, now I'm not sure exactly what they're patenting because it's not like it's a new idea. Um, but the idea, what, what they've got is it includes a. It's a keyboard that essentially has the computer built into it. So the ports are on the front edge of the computer, above where the. Um, uh, function keys are, and you can plug in your, you know, USB devices and your HDMI or whatever it is that you're going to use uh, uh, to drive a screen. And so there isn't a separate box. It, it is just a keyboard, but it's a keyboard yep. that has the computer in it. And that, you know, it's almost a flashback to the days of like the uh, Commodore 64s and the pet uh, pet computers and the Sinclair computers and and well, and for that matter, the 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 uh, color computer that you used a lot the uh yeah you know those were, yeah well and even the original um apple computers i mean they were big comp- big keyboards because yeah they had to contain all that stuff but uh, that was one of the original computer designs was basically just a bulky computer or keyboard with the computer mm-hmm. in it i mean you, there was nothing else there wasn't other parts and pieces um but anyway, the, yeah. the reason the reason for doing something like this is it's still a pretty small package, yeah. and uh, it's got room for plenty of battery uh, space as well, well as the components. But and, you don't uh, need batteries. There's no. I I didn't don't think there was anything about batteries in this. This was meant to be a replacement for like a Mac Mini, right? Uh, well, I assumed that it had a battery. Really? Uh, but it didn't didn't talk about it. I don't think. 
Yeah, I, I, it's interesting you made that assumption because I didn't. I assumed that it was going to be, I mean, since there's no display on it, that it would well, be. Well, they, ha- they have numbers pointing to different components, and this uh-huh. sort of long one in there looked to me like a, probably a battery, if uh-huh. I were just to guess, you know, and maybe that's why. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, if you uh, if if things came unplugged suddenly, you don't want everything to crash, right? So. Yeah, maybe. I, I would think that I, you got to you got to ultimately have DC anyway somehow, so you got to have your uh-huh. power supply converter. Yeah, and while you've got it, you just as well stick a battery in there so that yeah. for a short period of time you don't lose things. Yeah, yeah, so. maybe. I don't know. I just thought that to me looked like the um, like if you're looking at the the little diagram, there was the 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 base plate which all the keys then mounted to, and then below that was then the part that housed the computer, which was mostly air but it looked like some ports along the backside and then a long skinny piece, which I think you're saying is you thought maybe was the battery that they've numbered 132 in the diagram. And, That's the one, yeah. And to me, that looks like where the actual CPU goes because if you look at the way the CPUs are laid out, the boards um, uh, that um, are, you know, in, the, in like the iPads and in the um, uh iPhones and stuff, they're basically yeah. like a, a thing that's about, you know, five or six inches long and about an inch wide. Um, yeah, it could well, be. Well, I say five or six. They're actually shorter than that, more like probably two or three inches long and about an inch wide or three quarters of an inch wide. But anyway, the key yeah. today is that you don't have to have a cooling power supply and all that, you know, yeah. cooling system or that. So yeah. that allows it to be really small. Yeah, the M1 chips essentially make something like this really, really doable in a nice small keyboard instead of the big bulky ones like we talked about with the older versions. Because even right. the Commodore 64, you think about it, that thing, you know, it was kind of wedge-shaped, and the back edge of the wedge was probably three and a half, four inches high, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Now... To me, something like this makes more sense than the Mini. That's kind yeah. of the reason that I like I like this article because basically you're competing uh, against a very simple w- without any peripherals, and here you can have all the connectors that you want on the back, like the Mini has, and uh, yet you also you get a keyboard with it, a functional part instead of just a box that takes up space and doesn't, you know, requires cables to do anything, you know. Well, you still have to have some cables, at least one for the display off of this this device. But uh, beyond that, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good home set, right? You just plug it into a display. And hopefully they would plug it into a, uh, a television, too, HDMI. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. So I, I would say, you know, with an HDMI port, you can pretty much do everything, right? And a, yeah, well, and a power power plug, I guess you know. Yeah, HDMI or um, uh, the USB four, which which is uh, you know those are the options you have on the current menu. You have an HDMI out. And you also have a USB four, which uh, supports the um, oh shoot, what's that? Uh, the Thunderbolt. It's a H. Yeah. It was it USB four is a combination of Thunderbolt three and uh, and USB three or something like that um uh and so you can get really high bandwidth through that as well and so p- some people um uh you know use that as their video out on the current mini you get the highest resolution by going out through the usb4 port not through the hdmi ah. hdmi i think tops out at 4k like a 4k yeah. television set or a 4k well, monitor I, I, maybe I 5k 
But. I only said that because of the comparison to the Commodore 64 and the Sinclair sure. Spectrum and those kind yeah. of things. So, and they had like a composite yeah. out, right? Right. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. not very sophisticated. But No. No, in fact, remember that you could buy a Commodore monitor that actually had composite inputs, or you could use like a 13-inch television set, and they gave you that little box that would attach to the antenna outputs so that you could go composite into antenna and put your TV on channel 3. Yeah. <laughs> like the uh, video yeah. games used to be that way, put your TV on channel right. 3 or 4. Channel 3. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh Yeah. Yeah, no, it's funny how how what, what's old is new again. Um, I think that this makes a lot of sense for the Mini as the Mini was originally intended. But, you know, in 2018, when Apple um, sort of did their their most recent Mini prior to the M1 Mini, they made a, a real point of talking about the fact that after looking at how people are buying and using the Mini, that the number of people buying it to use it as a home computer was actually pretty small compared to the number of people who were using it as a rack mount computer in in uh, in a server room. And yeah, so, but then but then you should put it in a rack format, you know. Well, Which I the, think they did for a while, didn't they? Well, years ago they had a rack format computer. It was it was way pre mini, but these little minis they actually have racks that hold them, and they're basically like a one you or one and a half you rack anyway, which is a standard size, and you can stick them in there. Um, and and in fact, uh, there was a an article a couple of years ago about the fact that the reason that the um, the mini when they you know what was the, when they did the 2018 mini they kept it the exact same form factor because a lot of these surfer companies were very concerned they've invested a lot of money and infrastructure in racks to hold that size device and if they change the size of the mini then they're gonna have to go and rework their infrastructure to now hold whatever the new size of the box is Uh, even though quite clearly they could make it much smaller especially when they went to the m1 Uh, so but there's been there's been talk that they're going to now that they're using the apple silicone that the mini will be reformatted but i wouldn't be a bit surprised based on this if they came out with you know, the, uh, a home version of the Mini in a keyboard and then a a rack mount version of the Mini that's in a box that's maybe with higher specs, you know, that's more of a server device. Right, yeah. You know, because I like this so. idea. I, I think it's cool. Although I will say for my personal use, I probably wouldn't buy it because I have my office set up to be kind of more like a server room. I literally have a mini server rack behind me with, uh, you know, a half dozen different computers of different kinds and CPUs, and I can switch yeah. between them using a, a, a keyboard mouse video switch. And so I use one keyboard, one mouse, and one monitor for multiple computers. And the idea of me, um, uh, you know, having my my one computer on my desktop then messes that up. Yeah, see, since I've been a mini user, I've... Way back uh, when I first got the Mini, and I don't remember what year that was, I bought this Logitech. Yeah. Which is quite a nice keyboard. Yeah. Because uh, uh, it's got a little simple thing to uh, to originally connect it to the to the display and stuff like that. And, yeah. Uh, and it's got a power plug to charge put put a charge into it. Uh huh. And it's got batteries in, so it's a I don't have to plug it into the charger. And then there's just an on-off switch to be sure you don't. Let it run down, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, I actually use a, a wired keyboard still because I have it plugged into my keyboard switch, and it's an older Apple keyboard, the extended keyboard with the uh, the number pad off to the one side. But I bought it from a company that re-keys them, 
and puts color-coded keys on there and uh, the one that I have is specifically designed for using Apple Logic Pro. And so all of the commands for like rewind and forward and rename and, and you know, set lock and library and, you know, pop up your toolbox, all the quick keys are color-coded on my keyboard. Yeah, well, the other thing that was really cool about this Logitech keyboard is it's got built into the, into it the functionality so that uh, – and you're talking wirelessly through this thing right. to uh, – to devices, I can I can talk to my iPad and my my phone, right? You know, yeah. I, and I don't have to plug or unplug anything. I just, yeah, let you toggle between three different devices really easily. Right. Yeah, I think I'm the one who told you about that because I have that same keyboard and I used I've used it with my iPad and stuff prior to me getting the the uh, Apple keyboard case that has yeah. the touchpad on the front of it. I don't remember their actual title or their name for that particular case, but. Um, I have that keyboard case that I really like, and uh, and so now when I'm using my iPad, that's the one that I tend to use the most. Uh, yeah, they've got a couple of them, and they have the oh, it's called the Magic Keyboard, and that's the one that has yeah. the the laptop style keyboard with a touchpad in front of it for your iPad. Oh, mine doesn't have a touchpad. No, you have the uh, the was it? I think it's called the keyboards folio, smart keyboard folio, which is uh, a little bit thinner and less rigid, but it doesn't have the touchpad. Mine it's has the, on the back of mine. It says Logitech Bluetooth Easy Switch Keyboard K eight eleven. Right, right. No, I was referring to your. I you have the iPad uh, keyboard case. But that one's called the. Um, oh, oh, I, I got you. Yeah. yeah, it's the 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 smart keyboard or the keyboard folio. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, I have the more rigid um, uh, Magic Keyboard for the iPad. Anyway, um, I took I took that keyboard off. I I used it for a while when I got it from you, but yeah. I just. Uh, Generally, it just adds weight and gets in the way. Yeah, well, and if you're not and if you're not using the keyboard, then you know if you're using the touch interface almost exclusively, it doesn't make sense. But that's the nice thing about it too is you can just pop it on and off with it's you know magnetically attaches and it does. It's not hard to snap it back in. Yeah, um, the only problem is finding it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I keep mine stored in my keyboard most of the time. But then when I go to use it, if I'm not using the keypad, I just pop it off, and then when I'm yeah. done with it, I snap it back into that case and 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 you know fold it up that protects yep. the screen yeah it's, um, it's it's not that i need a keyboard anymore but uh you know if this were to come out with the m1 and i'd probably get it yeah well the reason that i got that keyboard case was um a i had read several things about it that i liked and i liked the idea of occasionally you know not having to take my hand off the keyboard i can use the touchpad right there but b i i anticipated that as they went to the m1 uh, in the in the uh, iPad Pros, that they were going to build in some sort of a way to switch back and forth between operating systems. That once I had a keyboard with a touch pointing device, that that yeah. M1 iPad would also be able to run Mac OS. They haven't done that yet, although there's literally nothing stopping them from doing it, other than the decision to do it. It's you know, or or well, maybe it's the technical actual coding of the so the code you know, the OS to do that. But you've got to think that they're testing that and, and just trying to decide whether or not that's something they want to re release. Um, yeah. You know, and if they choose to do that, then I would be all in on upgrading from the Mac or the iPad Air that I bought to the uh, iPad Pro again. But uh, when I, when I, since when they came out with the M1 um, uh, iPads and didn't do that, 
it was right around the time I was looking to replace the iPad that I had sold to you. And I went, well, mm-hmm. given the price difference, I don't see why I'm spending an extra 300 bucks for the Pro version because it doesn't give me anything that the MacBook Air would do other than Face ID over Touch ID. And it's like, well, I don't care about that. I mean, it's, you know, how yeah. I, once I've unlocked it, then I don't care. And it's, and it's you know, the Touch ID is on the side button anyway on the Air. So, By the way, I was reading a thing. I didn't pick it up to discuss today, but there's complaints about uh, if you have a problem with your Face ID system, currently they have to replace the device. It's it's easier and cost more cost-effective than it is to actually go – try to maintain that particular part of the product. So if, if my phone, which was a 10 uh, iPhone 10 uh, had, would have a problem with it, with that face ID stuff, they'd give me a new phone is what they do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I was not aware of that. Or they would give you some credit for buying it to, towards buying a new phone because I can't imagine they have that many iPhone 10s now that they're selling iPhone 13s in the stores. They can't have too many iPhone 10s around. Oh, that's right. Well, anyway, I was the other thing I was going to tell you, the repair costs for those things were up close to $600. Yeah. Just to repair that part of the phone. And that's that's why ultimately they said, "Beh." Yeah. Just exchange, you know. Yeah. Yeah, when the cost to do something exceeds the cost to replace it, you just go, "Well, <laughs> we're not fixing these anymore." <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, um that's like when, you know, in a lot of insurers, well, the insurer doesn't always tell you. A good insurer will tell you at some point uh, you don't need, uh, like, uh, collision coverage on your car anymore because, you know, the, the amount of money that we would pay you for it is, you know, not worth, the car's not worth anything. You know, So it's like, you could drop that, don't pay us, and just, you know, keep a few hundred bucks, and that's all we would give you anyway for this car because you're basically driving a hunk of junk. Uh, yeah. and, and I know this because I'm the man who drives his hunk of junk until it doesn't drive anymore, <laughs> says the man with a couple 20-plus-year-old cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, uh, I think we've covered the, uh, yeah. that keyboard device. The other well, one, one thing we didn't cover with the keyboard device, Oh. how realistic do you think the rumor is? Do you think this is something that we might we might see? I was hoping so because it seemed attractive to me. Right. I'm intrigued but, but, by it, but it's not something I would buy just because of how I have my office set up. Yeah, I'm I, I'm not sure that they will make it. Uh, yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, if they, I mean, it cost them a few bucks to go get a patent and whatever it is that they patented on it. I don't know what that was. Right. Uh, and, uh I suppose it's just the the physical design that is very Appleish. You know? Yeah, the title of the patent application was called "Computer in an Input Device," but the yeah. idea of the computer in the keyboard is is so age old in the computer industry that I just don't understand how that could ever be granted as a patent. But okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a clearly a uh, an old concept. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't see any any original artwork there that that hasn't you know pre-existed. Uh, other uh, than they're uh, doing it thinner. Other than it looks Appleish. Right, exactly. It's <laughs> it's it's the thinnest and lightest keyboard we've ever made with a computer yeah. inside. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, you you mentioned the Raspberry Pi enclosure. Does it look similar? Yeah, they have obviously clunkier and and cheap more cheaply made because you can buy a raspberry pi keyboard that you can put the raspberry pi into and it has ports on the back and it effectively gives you the same thing 
well, first of all, the one that I saw was like like neon orange. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and I'm sure the keys were not as well, you know, didn't have as nice a feel. And it was probably twice as thick. This one looks like it's maybe a little over yeah. a half inch thick at its thickest. And uh, at least in the uh, the, yeah, the mock-up the, the des- there. The des- design philosophy is 180s to Apple in, in the sense that pie, it has to be cheap or they're not going to sell it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and well, and even then, I think it was more than the computer costs. I mean, you, you can go get a Raspberry Pi for less than $50. And I think the keyboard was like, 80 to 100 so you know it it's going to like triple the cost of your computer by putting it in that keyboard but if you don't have a keyboard already then yeah. okay might as well stick it in something right and most people who buy a raspberry buy probably spend you know 20 bucks on a on some sort of enclosure to put it in it you know you don't just screw it down to a piece of wood or something you know so so if you're if you don't have a keyboard might as well make your keyboard the enclosure because you're going to spend money on both of those things anyway so in that sense, it makes sense. But I just like that idea, that form factor. For an average person, you know, why have another box? Plug plug your screen directly into your keyboard and your keyboard into some sort of power source, and voila, you're ready to go. Exactly. One last thing to clutter up the table, desktop. Clutter, yeah. Right? Yeah. Honestly, I so. could see that being used in a lot of offices, right, uh, if, you have a, if you have a monitor. Which is interesting. That's one thing that's glaringly still missing from the Apple lineup, right, is a basic monitor. I mean, they've got the $5,000 monitor with the $1,000 stand, uh, but you're not going to buy that for your $750 computer, right, or your your 999 right. computer or whatever you're going to price it at. So, uh, But they don't have that. And, and they, you know, they used to have a, uh, a target mode that you could put your, like, iMac in and use it as an extra monitor. And they, they don't have that support in the operating system anymore. So... You know, I'm not quite sure, uh, you know, what the answer is other than just go buy a cheap LG monitor or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, that seems very anyway. un- un-Apple-esque, right? It's like we're going to have this <laughs> right. elegant, beautifully designed computer, and then you're going to plug it into this plastic thing on a, a on a stand that teeters because <laughs> because we don't want to make one of those. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, anyway, I uh, switched the thing here to Apple Pay. Uh, uh, that now says the feature will enable Bitcoin tap to pay. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems logical that if you're going to have a th- something called Apple Pay, that you might want to get in the Bitcoin world uh, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people who seem to want to do that. And uh, the first thing, it's I don't really have a great working knowledge of Bitcoin, but it seems yeah. to me that a problem right now in that whole business is there's as many Bitcoins as there are uh, uh, you, well, you, you, there's a new Bitcoin company a day almost. I mean, yeah, well, Bitcoin is a company that is a cryptocurrency. So there's lots of different different cryptocurrencies out there. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm using the wrong term. Right. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to clarify. But, I, but okay. you're absolutely right. There's new cryptocurrencies cropping up all the time. And the question is, is are any of them viable? You know, and Bitcoin is sort of the granddaddy of these things and have been around a while. So it's probably the most viable but uh, but like any any of them, they're not tied to you know. There, there's no they don't have the the full faith and backing of a government like U.S. currency does. So if if tomorrow everybody says you know that's really not worth anything, then it's not worth anything if nobody will accept yeah. it, right? 
Right. Well, the, the other thing about it is, is that I, I would like to have somebody that's knowledgeable, really knowledgeable in all this Bitcoin stuff to say, what can go wrong and what are the probabilities? Oh, there's quite a few articles out there on a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah. that talk about the 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 risk of it you know and bitcoin has it, it bitcoin itself not other cryptocurrencies but bitcoin itself has has enough um uh you know head of steam now and in fact i think there's a south american country that has actually now said that that is their now default currency um that that you know i think bitcoin is probably going to be around for a while but that doesn't mean that it's going to be stable and so we'll see how that all plays out but one of the biggest issues with all of the cryptocurrencies is how do you track and keep you know and and manage your bitcoin and the idea of apple getting into this so that you know your apple wallet now becomes the wallet that you use for that i think lends a lot of of trust and and a faithful way to manage your bitcoin whereas previously you know you had to download an a wallet app and, uh, and and there's lots of stories out there about people who have Bitcoin, but it's in a in a wallet app that the app itself either has gone out of business or they forgot their password to get into the app, and now they can't use their Bitcoin. They've just lost it, um, you know. And the idea that somebody like Apple's there, I, I think, makes that that whole thing much more functional. If the, if that's if it's true that that's what they're going to do is support it. Yeah. You know. Well, anyway, uh, tap to pay. Uh, I I don't believe it requires Bitcoin anyway. It looks like they're making something so that you don't actually have to get. Uh, well, you know, like Apple Pay on my uh, I use my my watch. To me, right, the phone isn't the right answer. The yeah. watch is. Yeah. And well, so the tap to pay is click thing. Yeah. There's several things about this article that look weird to me because tap to pay doesn't you know you doesn't matter what the currency is. You could do that in any currency. Right. Um, and. It doesn't matter which iPhone it is. They're saying it'll come in the next iPhone. Well, iPhone is irrelevant. This is a software thing, so it's going to be in the next iOS, not phone. There's nothing physical yeah. about using Bitcoin instead of using something else. It's all software. Yeah, yeah, that's what. That's that's the way I saw it too. So every time I read stuff about Bitcoin, it seems that somebody is messing with my brain. Yeah, you know, I, well, that's what makes me. Uh, I I have. I have a lot of doubts about this. <laughs> yeah. I you know, I mean, I understand the the essence of how it all works and how 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 it's playing out there, but it's incredibly unstable in terms of the 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 value of it. Um, you know, and people who are getting into it now because Bitcoin, you know, went from being fractions of a penny to being thousands of a dollar per Bitcoin uh are late to the game because Bitcoin's already there. And all of these yeah. other cryptos that are coming along and they're saying, oh, I'll get in on the bottom of this one, have no guarantee now, of even existing, you know, six months from now. Now, now it says, notably, cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase merged with Apple Pay and Google Pay in August of 2021. So that's that's a different one. Isn't that what that means? Coinbase? Well, they didn't say Bitcoin. They said Coinbase. Coinbase is not a cryptocurrency. It's a cryptocurrency exchange. It's a place where you can swap your currency or your your Bitcoin for other currencies. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So you bring in your cash to some physical place and say, "I want so many Bitcoins." 
So, well, I think the idea is if you listen, if you see, um, there's a paragraph ab- above where it says Apple CEO revealed his personal crypto purchase in November. It says even though Bitcoin will be will most likely not be accepted for direct purchases for goods and services many places, Apple Pay will automatically convert the user's cryptocurrency holdings to the dollar amount required by the merchant's point of sale device in order to complete the transaction. So because they're now affiliated with Coinbase, they now have the way to the means to do that exchange on the fly. Oh, so you're just saying that Apple has found a way that for them to transact the Apple Pay thing in a more efficient way or more secure way for them. Well, no, so. what it's what I'm saying is is that so so say instead of having money in a bank, so say instead of having $100 in a bank, I have $100 in Bitcoin. Okay? Mm-hmm. I want to go buy something from my grocery store. My grocery store doesn't accept Bitcoin. I can use that as my account. So when I go to make my Apple Pay thing, instead of picking a card, a debit card from a bank account, I can say pick my crypto. Apple will automatically debit the crypto whatever amount of crypto equals the amount of my purchase and do it for me on the fly. Okay. And so in that sense, having money in crypto instead of in my bank is similar to having money in – there are some – I can't remember the right term, but there are some bank accounts that are like um, tied to an investment account so that the the amount that's in there is not like a regular savings account that's guaranteed through the bank. Yeah. And crypto is the same thing. It's just it's an investment account that they will allow me to use to spend and to buy things, and they will do the translation between cryptocurrency and whatever the current value of crypto is. And I'm sure... Anytime they translate money from crypto to dollars, they win. In other words, the company that's doing that translation, i.e. Coinbase, is making mm-hmm. some money on that. So, like, if the current value is, you know, I'm making this up, but say it's, uh, you know, for every dollar I get three Bitcoin, right? And it's, this is totally made up. They will probably give me two and a half Bitcoin for my dollar, and they keep a half. For the for the benefit of having them do the the translation or the the there's got to be some full dis, full disclosure as to who all is tapping into your money then oh absolutely you know it's just like when you use a credit card you know the credit card company takes three and a half percent of the transaction and in that case the vendor pays it yeah you know this but but the 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 exchange company coinbase has got to do something where they say you know, the value of whatever cryptocurrency you're spending is, you know, we're going to take a little bit of that transaction when we exchange it for dollars. Yep. Okay. Well, anyway, Apple's getting into business. I don't know that I'm yeah. going to mess with it. I'm still... yeah. yeah. They're getting in the business in that they're going to support it as a currency, and they've got a company on the back end that's going to help them do the exchange. You know, just like yeah. if you if like if you have uh, Apple Pay and you happen to live in Mexico, then you probably have uh, your money in pesos. But if you buy something from an American company, they want dollars. So somebody has to do that transaction. Well, there's a bank that does that and they will give you X number of dollars to pesos based on what the current exchange rate is. Well, Coinbase is the company that handles that exchange and they manage whatever the current exchange rate is. Okay. Well, 
I wouldn't want to be exchanging for ruples anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> that changes by the hour or minute. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so did the pesos for a lot of years. That's why I used the Mexico thing because having, you know, living in Southern California, you, you Mexico's right yeah. next door. Uh, I remember yeah. when I sold stereo equipment when I was going to college and I was only a few miles north of the border in San Diego. And, uh, um, we had we had in the store posted the exchange rate daily and people always looked at that and said now nah, i can go to one of the coin exchanger places down at the border and they've got better rates than you guys and it's like well then go there okay <laughs> you know because because our company always made sure that the exchange rate that they gave wasn't as good as anywhere else just to make sure that they didn't get caught you know their yeah. job wasn't tracking exchange rates and so they didn't want yeah. to get caught losing money on something so yep i understand when risk is uncertain or un high you, you avoid it yeah yeah so. all right next thing up uh billionaire investor praises apple's ungodly level of management that was a really funny quote <laughs> <What was fun? laughs> yeah that was a funny quote this is from Charlie Munger, who is the uh, the number two guy at Berkshire Hathaway. He's he's the partner well, of Warren Buffett. Well, Bu Buffett credits him as being the brains behind the company. Yeah, yeah. I say the number two guy, but I guess he's he's number two in name. But they're basically business partners and have been for years. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and in fact, I have there's a very expensive in, book uh, in, that Charlie Munger fact, published. Yeah. In fact, uh, as old as Charlie is. Uh, if if he were to drop dead today, I think Berkshire is in trouble. They'll they'll take a big hit. Yeah, you know, I I know they've got a couple younger guys, and when I say younger, these are guys that aren't quite to their seventies yet because well the, the two, but, that they've been bringing along and that they're very involved. But, but I don't know what level but, they are. But but in the investment company, you're banking on the skills of these two guys. You really are. Younger. Yeah. You know, that's really the the key. Uh, they're more key than most CEOs are in companies, you know? Oh, yeah. No, because, these two, so, so and they're heavily invested say, in Apple. I say Berkshire is, is a risky investment these days because you got two old dudes there that don't have much time left here, you know? Well, and and a big chunk of what they've invested is Apple right now i mean it's 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 a the majority of their money is now in apple which gives you you know well, tells tells you something yeah yeah well yeah. That, that's a that's a good thing yeah but still it doesn't it still doesn't mean that uh, people aren't going to lose their confidence Why, oh absolutely you know, you go directly and invest in apple you don't need berkshire to do that well that's what i'm saying is is that if if it's given that they're a big chunk of their money's invested in apple Go buy Apple, you know, if you want to follow what they're doing. The book Absolutely. I was referring to is called Poor Charlie's Almanac, and it was written by Charles T. Munger, and it sells for about sixty bucks. It's you know, and it has for years. Um, oh, and it, thanks. And it's the wit, yeah, the wit and wisdom of Charles T. Munger, and it's in its third edition, and it basically just lays out his philosophy of how he he evaluates things. And I have yeah. a copy of it that I've had for for quite a few years, and it's an interesting yeah. read. Yeah, the, the latest step, if you read about them, is they got a whole bunch of money that's uninvested. Yeah. At, at, they're at record highs. So yeah, which tells you <laughs> yeah, which tells you they're not real confident in things right now. 
Well, it says there aren't very many good investments out there. Right. These guys bank on, you know, picking just a they they you know if they don't have a lot of, I don't know how to say it margin, if you will, in terms of yeah safety. Well, high confidence. Safety margin. High confidence, high confidence that if they're going to put the money way. in something, that it's going to earn them more money. And if they're not pretty confident they're going to earn more money, then they will just sit on their money and not put it in anything. Absolutely, they're very conservative investors, you know. So, and, and that's a, that's what yeah. you want. But but they've been uniquely uh, that way for a long time, which right. is what's you know added up to long term success for people to invest in their company. Right. Well, so, one of the things that they have historically said, and I don't remember which one of the two of them has said this, but I've heard them say it, um, is that they essentially invest in a management team. And so when they look at a company, a lot of what they look at is who's running the company and is that group of people, that person at the top and the people he surrounds himself with, do they make historically good decisions and and do we believe they'll be able to continue to do that? And so to, for him to come out and say, yeah. you know, that uh, that Apple is an ungodly well-managed uh, company, you know, that's, that's the key. That's yeah. that's really what he's talking about. He says the people well, making the decisions and, there make incredibly good business decisions. Well, and that's because of Steve Jobs, who left a, a, a legacy of really understanding how to make a successful business at low risk. Yeah. Well, he also surrounded himself with really good people, Tim Cook being one of them, who's, you know, I mean, quite honestly, we talk about Steve Jobs and we give him all kinds of credit for what he did at Apple and how he brought it back from the brink when he came back, you know, because when he left, he wasn't that great of a manager, but he became one. But Tim Cook Uh has financially done much, much more than than Jobs ever did in terms of growing that company into what it is today. You know, and he's he's maybe not as exciting. (laughs) Well, it's certainly not as exciting, <laughs> yeah. but that's be- that's because he was one of the key arms, and that's why he got the job as a CEO, uh, which had everything to do with sales, you know, mm-hmm. and supporting large large amount of sales. He was a critical guy, right, in, of the team, but he's not the total guy. No, the other guy that was really also critical is the hardware developer guy that got them into this M1 chip, you know that moved out ahead of everybody in the right. hardware domain and and in the computer business, the real problem all along, everybody is always known that hardware and software working together are key, but everybody wanted to do the easy part that, you know, the, do the software and get the best performance out of the hardware. But when they didn't recognize the uh, marginal gain by having a uh, dual development effort, Side by side, hardware and software, because then you can make the right trade-offs in the design. Right, and, but I think that the so, guy who 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 runs their hardware design and their chip design was hired by Tim Cook after he left, after after um, uh, Jobs was gone. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, Tim Cook. I, th- you know, the the to me the 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 key that started the whole thing, and this was he started, and the reason he was hired was because of his. Um, understanding of the production chain, right? He's the guy who right. who put together the right. the the you know here's how we build this stuff the best way, and he came out of what was it Compaq, right? Um, I, I think so. Uh, before he came to Apple, and he knows that inside and out. Um, 
you know, and for all of our frustration about like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if they do this? Apple doesn't do anything unless they they have, you know, a, a lot of confidence that it's going to make them more money than they're making today, you know, or more money than the options. Right. They'll look at all their options and say, well, which one's going to pay off for us the best? And they will always guaranteed pick the option that's going to pay them better. You yep. know, yep. And and uh, and, a, and a lot of long-term thinking here. Right. Uh, too often the quarterly reports drive too many companies. Right. Uh, yeah. And uh, so things things like you know good hardware uh, advancements down the road, how to get more sure. performance, and what that buys you. You know, I you, think you, can, you. Go ahead. You know, it's it's really important that you sit back and say, if I had a hope. Uh, this much more performance in my computer than what we have today, what would you do with it? And if there's, if mm-hmm. there's nobody has the right answer to that, then you say, well, why would I invest in it? Right? Yeah. So, so you've got to always be looking forward to say what the capabilities that I can build if I get to certain levels of performance. That's, mm-hmm. that's the driver. And, and so, you know, once they got into uh, photography, you, you've noticed how much improvements year to year we've had in iPhones in terms of cameras only. I mean, you know, let's face it, the talking and, and communication is a full Internet. I mean, that was a big deal. So it expanded from just a phone line to lots of other kinds of communication. But when it comes to other things on the phone, this thing has become a, mon- a, a phenomenal camera because by doing things in uh, in software because of the performance well, not just software hardware and software working together and being able to build phenomenal graphics processors uh, mm-hmm. they've they've just made major advances you know well i think part of what they do too is that i don't think most companies do is they spend a lot of time saying what sequence of not only products but features are we going to put out and in what order yeah you know yep. And and part of their decision goes into, you know, we're going to add this into this device because it's going to give us more information about how this per- certain technology works so that we can then integrate it later in a better way. You know, things like the um, the uh, augmented uh, uh, reality stuff that they've been putting into iPhones and iPads that don't really have any function or the the addition of the U1 chip. Which is just yep. you know a help find right now, but it's but we but it's clearly going to be much higher bandwidth for things like headphones and and you know we haven't talked too much about it, but also for that that video the goggles you know you need a high bandwidth to be able to move stuff back oh, and yeah. forth wirelessly between your headset or your glasses and your phone. Um, you know I think that it's real clear that they're moving towards what what. Uh, I and others have Michael. called a a personal area network where you're basically walking around and you have your own little network with your phone at the hub as the main processor talking to not only your earphones and your watch but your glasses or your goggles and so um you know it, it it's all going to talk together with that phone yep. sort of being the hub of the network yep that's, that's you know? quite obvious but they've been testing yeah. they've been testing all of that technology for quite a while, you know, it's like little bits and pieces of it, and it's out in a lot of devices already. Um, yeah, you know, so that just means that they just need to turn it on in software, you know, and and you, but they, but you have to have that infrastructure out there before you can do that, and so that's what they've been doing, you know. Yep. Yep. 
I mean, from the was it the Series Eleven phones is are the first ones that had the U one chip chip in them. Um, you know, so now that's three generations. So if they come out with these new uh, ultra high band uh, headphones that use the U one chip instead of Bluetooth, they'll you know they they've got a, a a big chunk of the phones that are out in the in the wild will now be able to work on those. You know, you don't want to come out with new new headphones, but they only work on the on the latest phone. And you know, and yeah, you you maybe sell a million or the or a couple million of those phones, but there's there's a billion phones iPhones out there. A lot of them are the older ones. Yeah, so. yeah. So anyway, uh, why don't we move on to the Qualcomm? Qualcomm, Qualcomm CEO is yeah. going like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, pretty soon a lot of things that apple bought from them just sort of disappeared from a as a product uh because uh, apple does it better yeah and so that's that's always embarrassing when you're a hardware company and you say wow why are they doing that yeah well i i picked the article only because i wanted to see how much software they understand and where have they purchased anybody lately to help them get there? Because if they don't take an integrated approach to this design, including design tools, uh, they're never, never going to get there. Yeah. Well, and the problem uh, is, is they're in a world where, you know, they're, they're in the, they're in the Intel spot, right? Where they own the hardware, but they don't own the operating system. They don't, they don't run Linux and they don't run Microsoft, you know, which is the, right. what Intel had. And for Qualcomm, they don't run Android. So unless you know, unless Google buys Qualcomm, I can't see this them them ever having all the parts and pieces to do what to, to compete on a level playing field with Apple. Yeah, that's that's exactly my case. Uh, I, but then I wasn't surprised. I got into the article and what are they doing? They're comparing Qualcomm future to where they are now. Wrong comparison. They right. got to compare themselves to the competition. Yeah, they used to they used to be the leader, but they're not now no. in some places. So, you know, and I, I view what they're doing is maybe competition or support for the uh, the Google Apple or the Google phone. What's it called? The uh, Androids. Yeah. Android phones. Yeah. Yeah. As being uh, the maintaining the supply, I'm assuming they're in the Google phones already. Yeah. Uh, but they want they want to not lose it like they. Yeah. Lost well, and Qualcomm, Qualcomm's not the only manufacturer of of uh, chips that are uh, arm chips like the the snapdragon chips that are made by samsung and are used in samsung phones but not all samsung phones some samsung phones use qualcomm chips you know the area that qualcomm still has a lead over people and and uh, apple is even even though they tried to get away from it went back to licensing it is not on cpus but on on modems they have the better the the better 5g modems but remember, Apple bought out Intel's modem unit, and you know Apple's spending a lot of time and effort making sure that their modems are going to be better than, uh, or at least as good as, if not better. But I, I can't see Apple even aiming for as good as. That's just not the way they, the way they roll. No. Um, they're, they're working real hard in the modem area so that they don't have to buy Qualcomm modems anymore. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the CPUs, it's funny. The the uh, there's been a lot of uh, stuff in the news recently about the latest Samsung phone, the uh, the uh, S22 Ultra or whatever it's called, their their top of the line new phone. Uh, yeah. 
and by all accounts it's a it's a fantastic phone but uh as far as the actual processing power uh there were several places where i read headlines sort of of the uh, to the effect of wow uh the you know best new uh, samsung processors coming in, in their new phones finally catch up to apple iphone 11 yeah now apple's on the iphone 13 <laughs> you know and so yeah, yeah, yeah catch up to apple Catch up to Apple's two-and-a-half-year-old phone because their current phone is just light years ahead, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and the fact that Apple can do that, that they can actually come out with technology that, you know, is like like has a two-and-a-half-year leap over, over somebody really is shocking, yeah. you know? I mean, when you think about the world of technology and stuff, that one company can come out and say, you know, or can, can release a product and people come out with products after them and they're doing their best to create a better product and they're still two and a half years behind. Well, the other thing that I enjoyed about this particular article, it says a uh, more difficult mountain that Qualcomm will need to climb is to create a better chip design with a proprietary core. It says Apple has protected all its chip designs with a wall of patents and you can bet they are watching their former employees very closely as they work on these new competing pro- on new competing products. In yeah. fact, Nuvia was purchased by Qualcomm and Apple was already suing co-founder Gerald Williams III for planning his exit and recruiting Apple employees to leave with him while on company time. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you when you're working for Apple, uh, yes, the, the... You, you don't have freedom to do anything you want. Yeah, well, and that's true of any company, but it's, you know, it's yeah. the, the bank of lawyers and the pockets, the deep pockets of Apple will, will say, you know, hey, if you're trying to rip off our, our proprietary technology and you're hiring, yeah. you know, if you're going to hire away people, fine, you can hire away people. There's nothing we can do to stop you from doing that. But they can't take with them all of the plans and the secrets about how we did things because that's, that's right. our, that's our, <laughs> that's our intelligence. And, and you're not right. allowed to take that and give it to somebody else for free. So, so anyway, that's that's the battle that they're discussing in this article. It makes it kind of interesting because I wasn't aware of all the details that are in here. Mm-hmm. So I had to read it. But anyway, uh, uh, so I don't think Apple has anything to worry about right now. They, they, they've got a wide, uh, yeah. what do they call it, moat. Yeah. The, is well, wide. the thing that I think was interesting, too, is if you remember a couple of years ago, Apple and Qualcomm uh, were basically in court arguing over Qualcomm has some pretty extensive patents that um, that Apple ultimately ended up having to relent and license from Qualcomm in order to uh, even if they were using the Intel modems. And that's essentially why why Intel got out of the modem business, because they couldn't make a modem that was competitive without using Qualcomm in an intellectual property. And so now Apple's kind of set themselves up in a position where if Qualcomm wants to make a CPU that is in any way competitive, they're going to have to license back to Apple. And so now Apple has, you know, parity with Qualcomm. So they're saying like, okay, fine. Either we end up paying each other back and forth or uh, we basically call it, you know, even. Because if you guys want to make CPUs 
using some of our intellectual property, then we are not going to pay you to use your intellectual property to make our modems. Because that court case was like, even if you're using an Intel modem, you had to end up paying Qualcomm for your devices because they said that the Intel modems were using Qualcomm intellectual property. So, um, you know, and Apple ended up backing off and just, you know, said, okay, fine, we'll pay the licensing. But it was a five-year deal, and at the same time, they bought out the the Intel modem manufacturing, you know, people or part of their company. So, you know, I I think Apple, again, thinking long-term, said, fine, we know we've got this thing in our pocket because they hadn't hadn't announced the, the, uh, you know, M1 stuff yet. But they said, you know, we know where we're going with our CPUs, and (laughs) and so – we're, we're, when we when we sit down to talk next time, we're going to have something you want too. So, yeah. So anyway, uh, that's kind of an interesting article, but uh, the crux of it is, is I think Apple still, uh, you know, they're hurting. They, they they miss Apple. You know, they lost some sales, and, and uh, uh, anyway. well, I mean, right now they're not hurting in terms of of sales because their Apple is using their modems. But but it's coming. But they yeah, they see the writing on the wall. They're saying like we there's no way we can create chips that keep up with Apple without using Apple's uh uh you know, without licensing stuff from Apple. And if we have to license from Apple, then we've lost our leverage against Apple because right now they have to license from us. And 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 they've basically put us in a position where now we have to license from each other and so we don't have that cash cow we used to have. So, yeah. You know, I mean, I we're not investors, and and we don't uh, give investment advice. But I would be cautious personally about putting a lot of money into Qualcomm right now because one of their major cash cows is probably going away. And and it's probably a good understanding that uh, that the Berkshire folks have of this partic- in particular because it's a big deal. It know? is, uh, and uh, that made them make this statement about them about apple being what was it godlike uh, uh yeah well he said ungodly well managed is what he what it was ungodly, his, yeah yeah and it's and it's you know when you see something like this you say well okay apple has now manipulated the situation so that uh when their when their deal with qualcomm expires which has got to be a year or two away at this point um you know or maybe less i don't know i don't remember when they signed that five-year deal um but they certainly have to, you know, they're, they're going to come back to the negotiating table with Qualcomm in a much stronger position because now they have something Qualcomm wants as well, yep. you know. Whereas before it was just, come on, Qualcomm, be nicer about the way you license this. And Qualcomm is like, no, because we don't have uh-huh. to. And yeah. now you have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, my phone is uh, doing good on battery charge now. Mm-hmm. But I noticed that my iPad, which I use to talk from, is only seven percent. So, ah. uh, any, let let let's move on here. Yeah, I don't know how much so, longer uh, that's going to last. Bridge has been around for a while. They make keyboards for iPads, amongst other things. And so there was an article about their most current version that's got a huge trackpad. It actually looks like the new Mac, uh, the i uh, or uh, MacBooks, uh, in terms that's of right. the that's, size of the trackpad on it. Th- that's right. That's why I put put it in here because that's striking. And when you look at uh, some of the advantages of it, uh, I mean, it's got some downsides too, some pros and cons. But uh, it's it's just really looks nice. And I'm saying there is the merged 
uh, Apple computers with with the iPad right there. And Mm -hmm. you have to have the trackpad because, as Steve said, you're going to get tired reaching up to the screen to move things. So you have both uh, trackpad when you got the got it in the case here or you just take the iPad off and yeah, deal with it directly, you know? Yeah. And whenever you plug it into this thing, now you use the computer. Now, right. Well, that's the, not what this is. This is a, just the keyboard part. But right. If, but if you combine the com- keyboard that we had earlier with the computer in it and put the trackpad on it, you know, yeah, you're all set. Mm-hmm. I, I said, to, I said, I can see the future right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, this is this is um, the the uh, company, uh, the bridge company. You know, making a bet that they're going to have either much better or con- uh, obviously continued and better support for keyboard or for uh, pointing devices and keyboards in iOS, but I think they're also betting that somewhere down the line, these M1 iPads are going to be able to run Mac OS. It just seems like an obvious thing. Like I said, we've talked about it before, um, and the more that you by emphasizing that trackpad even more, I think they're just saying, we believe this is the way it's going to work. Instead of having two M1s, one in the keyboard and one in the uh, in the iPad, you're suggesting that Apple's design will do it all in the iPad. Yeah, I mean, why would they need two M1s? The, the, the iPad already has yeah. the same CPU and, right. and capabilities as uh, MacBook Air. Now, now what you want, though, is, is in fact a trackpad along with the keyboard. So this cancels out that other keyboard because it's it's now a portable device instead of a desk device right well you're talking about the the mac keyboard that they had or the 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 keyboard that apple was talking about that they licensed this doesn't cancel that out i think they're two separate products completely i think the other one is Is a a home mini desktop device and that's why i didn't think there was a a battery in that one this is just a direct competitor to Apple's keyboard case that looks more like a real clamshell laptop. Yeah. What I don't know of... is is how much does it weigh because that keyboard has to have enough heft on it to keep the whole thing from tipping over because well, that was that was the good news about this. Some of the real pluses about it are is that it's very stable and and holds on to things together holds together really well. Right, and Bridge has been making. In fact, they even show a picture of their their current version of it, the old you know the older version of their device. They've been making these type of keyboards for a while, but you know uh, there's a reason that like in Apple's uh, keyboard tilts the the screen forward like almost over the keys a little bit, and then uh, tilts back from there in order to move the balance more centered on the base because otherwise you have to put weight in the base to offset the weight of that iPad because it's a lot mm-hmm. heavier than just the screen on a laptop. It is. Yeah. And so the balance is like, okay, so now I have a essentially a laptop made out of my iPad, but how much does this thing all weigh? You know, if I'm lug- now, lugging it around, it probably weighs more than, excuse me, it weighs more than a, the current um, MacBook now, my- Air would. The important thing to know is that that thing go, that goes behind your iPad is plastic. Oh, really? I would have thought that would have been like a, just a thin sheet of aluminum or, or, or no. maybe even steel so the magnets would click in. No, no. It's it's plastic. It's flexible without a tablet attached. It combines well with the rigidity of the iPad Pro once it's docked. Hmm. Okay? So that avoids adding more weight to the back, you know? Hmm. 
So yeah, I'm not sure I like that. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, you want the. Well, I mean, the 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 but, top is already really heavy, so you've got to do something. But I just I'm not sure I like the idea of plastic. I'd have to. I would have to have one in hand to see how it fits. And it, feels. it says it says the plastic back doesn't add too much weight to a case that already runs on the heavier side, which is a good thing. Right. Well, it would have to be otherwise the whole thing would be very tippy. Yeah. But they so, show it at a pretty pretty leaned back angle and sitting fine on a on a desktop. But once it's but but. But you can see that it it takes advantage of the durability of the iPad, you know, the stiffness sure. and all that. So. Sure. Yeah. I so mean, I guess anyway, it makes sense. It just, it just, you know, how tough is that plastic? I, the only thing is, is that I would want to try it out first before I bought it or have a good money-back guarantee. Yeah, it, that's, what I, that's what I said. It's the kind of thing that I think I would like to see, you know, in a Best Buy or something to, before I spent the money on it because it's a little pricey. Yeah. Yeah, right, two, I mean, two hundred fifty. Yeah, yeah, so it's a few hundred bucks. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, and and you can use it uh, both vertically as as well as uh, landscape. Yeah, which uh, is interesting because there are times when you want to do it that way. Yeah, um, that's that. And in order to do that, you know, it's a Bluetooth interconnect instead of a of a smart connector right you know? which has some disadvantages i kind of like using the smart connector but they have to pay a licensing fee to do that yeah yeah you know uh, one thing that i'm surprised i haven't seen anybody do and i wish apple would do that uh, that microsoft does in their surface books or their surface um uh tablet devices that dock have is, that little flip out thing well no they have a space near the hinge the hinge is pushed back like a quarter of an inch and that's where you set the pencil and so oh. then so when you close it the pencil's now enclosed whereas on the apple devices the pencil's attached magnetically but it's easy to knock it off that magnetic connection if i stick it in the backpack and i pull it back out the pencil's no longer attached ever yeah yeah you know and in fact um i don't know if you recall when i was last visiting you i actually had a case that i was using that had a separate piece that I could snap the pencil into just so I didn't lose the pencil when I was pulling it in and out of my backpack and stuff while I was traveling. Yeah, well, I wouldn't leave it on there permanently, particularly if you're using it, uh, you yeah. know, to carry it around like a portable well, computer. And everybody's use case is different, but to be honest, for me, I've found that while I have the pencil and on occasion I use it, it's mostly a $100 thing that I don't use. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I don't either. Unless unless you found a use for it that yeah. is a regular thing. It's, yeah, it's probably not worth it for most people. Right. Mine's left in a little cup holder that I've got in my arm of my chair, so right. I can get to it quickly if I want, but yeah, then, then I have to charge it up. But yeah, that's pretty but, fast. Yeah, so. it doesn't take very long for it to get a, I mean, was it in, in 30 seconds, yeah. you'll get like a, a five-minute charge or something. You know, if, yeah. you're, if you're an artist and you do a lot of drawing and you use it regularly, then it makes perfect sense. And obviously, they had to create one and support it. Um, yeah. Well, I spent, uh, I was going to use it for a whole week, just a pencil, you know? Yeah. And I got to using it and, and liked it for some things. Right. Uh just for moving around and, and stuff, it was kind of neat, uh, and then for taking notes. Mm -hmm. uh, and but I didn't really learn all the tricks with the notes. If I had done that, so that it worked better. Uh, I, in fact, I've watched a video since then, but I haven't right. 
you know, used it right away to get it firm in my brain, you know? Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I've used it at times for things, too, and I forced myself to use it more for a while. I think that Steve was right in his original analysis is that if you require a pencil, then your device is a failure. And so, you know, the pencil for it is a specific use thing. So if there's if you have a specific use for the pencil, then it's great. But mm-hmm. if you try to use it just as a general purpose pointing device for your pad, it doesn't it, it's you, gets in the way. Yeah, it's just, just in the way. Yeah, you just want to touch things. So, anyway, uh, this is, I think, our third or our, our second keyboard for the day. Yeah. And I ju- I <laughs> Who just, knew that I we'd just, be talking about keyboards today? I, I just uh, looked at it and I intuitively mm-hmm. said, gee, that looks right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, it looks like it, it has the clamshell thing, so it looks like a uh, laptop. It makes the iPad yeah. look, look like a laptop. And, you know, in in a use case where it's kind of functioning like a laptop. Um, I've got to say that I looked at their previous keyboard, the one with the slightly smaller touchpad, when I looked to get a keyboard for my iPad, when I bought the iPad Air. Mm -hmm. And I decided to go with the Apple Smart Keyboard, the one that um, uses the smart attachment that has the touchpad on it and everything, mostly because it's normally $299 for the size that I got, the 11-inch size. And... I found it on sale for one ninety nine, and so I got it. It was cheaper than the bridge, and it uh, had the regular connection, and it was Apple product working with an Apple product. And I just said, you know what, that's yeah. that's the right way to go. Buy the Apple product. And in fact, I actually bought the keyboard because I saw it on sale before I got the iPad because I was holding off on the iPad, waiting to see what they were going to do with the iPad Pros. Yeah. And so, but when I saw the the keyboard on sale, I went, "Well, that's not going to be any cheaper, and it works with both the two iPads that I'm considering." So, get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so. anyway, uh, it's interesting to see what people come up with, and uh, mm-hmm. so. Uh, so next, see, we got- next thing up is is largest sovereign wealth fund plans to vote against Tim Cook's. And I don't like the way they phrase this. $99 million pay. He didn't yeah. make $99 million, or he, he made it, but he, he didn't, that wasn't his pay. His pay was $3 million, same as it's been for several years. Yeah. What this was was part of his compensation package that was signed 10 years ago as a way to make sure that he stayed as CEO for a long period of time. And so it just vested this year. Yeah. So he can bail. He can now, but he also, they've got another, I think, uh, three-year thing. So if he stays another three years, he gets another chunk of, of stocks. Yeah. So, But that's the way they, big companies do this. And quite frankly, Apple has been the most successful company on the planet. So, you know, the idea of saying to not only Tim Cook, but um, most of the uh, executive team have deals like this where – they're given a base salary and then they get some enormous bonuses in the form of stock based that will vest in two years, three years, six years, eight years, you know, and, and they put it out there and say, this is motivation for you to not jump ship and go somewhere else or just retire. And at some point these guys are going to say, okay, you know, I maybe have incentives going out 10 years, but I know in my mind, I'm going to be wrapping it up here in the next five And so 
even though the deal says it's worth you know x millions of dollars i know in my mind that i'm really only going to take this piece because i'm i'm i want to stop doing this every day and and you know enjoy life a little bit well so any, anyway, apparently the rationale behind this vote, now I don't know what the vote is for if it was already contracted that he was to get this, and then what's, why are they voting? I know, it's stupid. That's why I thought it was, I didn't like the way the headline was even listed there. It's like, you know, it's not pay. It was, a, it was part of a contract, and it was, in, it was his incentive uh, package to keep him from jumping ship. Yeah. You know, and so... Great. They can vote and say, we don't like it. You gave him too much of an incentive package. Well, had he left, you know, five or ten years ago and just gone yeah. somewhere else and the company wasn't worth close to $3 trillion, how would you feel about it then? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> well, and a large part of it's going to be in shares anyway. Yeah. So, you know, he could cash them in, but... Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I just... You know, you can argue that we th- we think the incentive package was too rich you can say yeah. that and and well, and you can maybe make a case for you know the incentive package was too rich but you know what it worked the incentive package works tim cook stayed and he led a team of people who led the company to being the the you know most valuable company in the history of the companies so yeah. you know okay but, he he did but, what he was supposed to yeah but they're concerned that a lot of Apple shareholders, uh, I'm sorry, employees uh, that also think they deserve, you know, some of the right. fruits of their labor aren't getting enough. Yeah, there so, was there was an article that, saying that he makes more than 2,000 times what the lowest paid person at Apple makes based yeah. on this incentive package. But if you actually look at what he gets paid, his actual salary then it's very much in line. In fact, some would say he's underpaid based uh, compared to other CEOs in that case. Um, you know. Well, but the, the, but the general general uh, mm-hmm. complaint is, is that all CEOs are just out of sight from where yeah. they deserve to be. Yeah. You know, and, and I understand that one. Yeah. No, I, I don't necessarily disagree with it, but, you know, you got to pay what the market's, what the going market rate is. And, and the bottom line is, is that Apple understands that and they pay the going market rate for all skills. Anybody who's considered valuable to the company is given incentive packages to stay. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, if you have a skill set that they really value and they feel like they need and they, they're, you know, don't think that there maybe are alternatives that, you know, other people who can do what you do or do it as well as you do, then they're going to incentivize you to stay. And very often this is how they do it. This is how it's been done in, in Silicon Valley for a long time. In fact, a lot of people in Silicon Valley have historically taken much smaller salaries knowing that they had a bonus package that would then give them, you know, significantly more money if they performed. You know, so the employee or the person that is gambling that they're going to be able to do a good job and earn that bonus. And the company is is saying, you know, we're, we're saving money on the front end. And if we do well, we'll share with you how well we do. You know, I I I. I don't have a problem with that structure and the way that works. You know, the only question mm-hmm. would be is, is the dollar amount too big or not too big? And I'll tell you what, it's, it's really hard to argue that it's too big for a company that, for the leader of a company that's been the most uh, successful company successful in history. Company. Right. You know, right. it's just, I mean, I, I'm sorry, you know, $99 million is a lot of money. You're right. It's ridiculous. No one person should be making $99 million. And he didn't make $99 million last year. He won't make $99 million 
you know, next year. This was part of a, a package to say, you're really good at what you do, and we don't want you to go somewhere else and do it for somebody else. Stay here. And he earned it. He did yeah. exactly what they wanted him to do. And and you know what? This this company, this Norway oil fund that's upset, also made a ton of money, you know, yeah. by, by investing in stock in this company, thanks to Tim Cook and his leadership team, yeah. you know. Yeah. So anyway, it makes you wonder why they announced this. Yeah. Yeah. I just I I don't get it. But OK. <laughs> you know? It's like, all right, fine. You know, I I think sometimes it's a knee jerk reaction without really doing some some thinking about it. I think, quite frankly, they may, you know, sign this declaration and, and complain. And I think the board will look at it and go, yeah, OK, thank you. And and go merrily on their way uh, because, you know, Tim Cook has done what what a good CEO is supposed to do, which is bring value to the company, um, you know, and it's certainly not all on Tim Cook, but you know, he, he is the leader. And so, yep. Well, I just lost my iPad. Oh no. (laughs) Well, the last thing up is at, uh, Apple working on a device with a 20 inch folding display. I have no doubt that something like that's probably in their development process, but whether it ever sees the light of day, will I, I don't know. We'll see. Well, you know, there's been a company out already who has done a uh, a keyboardless laptop that has two screens, one up and one down. You know, uh, and you type yeah. on the on the on the glass that lays down, just like uh, you do on an iPad. So, you know, that idea has been around for a while. I think that they're probably well, testing it to see whether or not it makes sense. Well, I, I I put I selected the article to make us think about basically. Uh, you know, the focus on making a uh, foldable screen has always been on small devices. Yeah. And this seems to be sort of saying, oh, what, why don't we do it on a big device? Now, the question is, why? Yeah. You know, if I can manufacture a screen that's got, you know, I don't know what the relative uh, size uh, and mm-hmm. cost of manufacturers really are, but uh, how, how big do you want to get? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, tw- it, 20 inch foldable when you when you actually fold it and use it like in a clamshell type of thing with it as a like a uh uh like a macbook you know that's what a, is that that's like an 11 inch screen a with a keyboard I, small imac right so, yeah or small macbook so, yeah no imac you know i mean oh well, you, i guess oh, well, that, if you want to if you oh. want to make a imac into a macbook i'm sorry right yeah no. well the imac is what 24 inch is the current size yeah. Okay. Is that the smallest? Anyway, yeah. it used to be somewhere around that. So, so then maybe you can consider uh, uh, a portable iMac. Kind of what I was think, thinking. You know. Yeah, but see, I don't think that they're saying use this thing opened up. I mean, maybe they're talking about opening it up occasionally and using it like an iPad. I was thinking. See, this is what German is saying: is their iPad MacBook hybrid. And I think the hybrid is take your iPad and snap it into a keyboard with a touch device on it. I think that's the hybrid. That they've got basically everything. The hardware is all there already. They don't have to do anything other than you know release the software. Mm-hmm. Um, this might be the next gen of that, right? Where we do away with the keyboard altogether, and you can use it in clamshell mode as a Mac, and then open it up flat to use it as a giant iPad if you wanted. Yeah, I, so. I, I don't know. I I just think whenever somebody talks yeah. about something that's totally different than what we've been talking about, is then why are they thinking that way? What's driving that? 
yeah. decision, you know? I think they're thinking that way because they're like, "Hey, nobody's done this. Let's make, let's make some let's do some mock-ups and some dem- you know build some demo systems and play with them and see what we think." Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, could- that's what the design studio that Johnny Ive used to run does is come up with lots of different ideas about how it could work, and then let's see if that makes sense. You know. Yeah. Doesn't mean it'll ever actually become a product, but it might. If so, if if when they do it, the, everybody goes, "Oh my gosh," <laughs> you know, yeah. Then you go like, "Hey, we got a new one," you know. Uh-huh. That was sort of the uh, the story that I've told before about when we got our first um, uh, Mac Mini, and I set it up in our dining room just to kind of play with it. And within you know a short period of time, my whole family was no longer using our oh, our PCs horrible. and everything or anything. They all went. They, everybody in the house because we had we were Windows family at that point in time. Everybody started sitting at the Mac Mini doing everything. And I went, uh-huh. huh? And it wasn't like I had to go teach them how to use it. They all went over and started using it and figured it out, and that's where everybody preferred to work. And you know, from that day forward, I just started replacing all of my Windows stuff with with Mac stuff. Minis, yeah, yeah. easy transition. Yeah, I mean, you know, and they, they, you know, whether it was the Minis or, or eventually the you know iPads and and laptops that you gave grandkids for their graduation presents. It was like, yeah. you know, the Mac became the ob- obvious choice. Just everybody migrated to it naturally. When they, when they had the option of using either, and and both of them were available and, and free to use, everybody yeah. everybody in my family preferred the Mac. You know, yeah. and, and I, as the in-house support person, preferred the Mac because I got much less, how do I make it to... You know, or hey, it says it's updating. Can yeah. you make it stop updating? No, <laughs> just wait. <laughs> you know. Well, that that that's that was the uh, thing that bugged me most was once I retired and I didn't have to use the computer regularly. Uh, every time, it just—I mean, it was absolutely every time that yeah. I logged into the computer to use it. It took. 15 or 20 minutes. I always exaggerate. Maybe it's a half hour to an hour, but it felt you know, like it. it but yeah, it felt like <laughs> before I could do anything. Yeah, and you're talking about when you were using Windows machines because they would Windows machines. Right. Yeah, that, it always had a, a, a security update. Yeah. Whatever they call that. Right. Well, and Windows was obnoxious about it. You would be in the middle yeah. of doing something, and it would just like take over your machine. It, your machine would no longer respond to you, and it would say, "We're updating," that's, and you're like, right. "Wait a minute! It's, it's, it's my machine. Forget about it." I'm doing yeah, my thing, it's or like, you can't use it. Yeah, you can, can I have you do this later when I'm not using you? I'm like, nope, we're doing it right I now. Mean, <laughs> I, I mean, my, my, Microsoft just drove you away from them. Yeah, what they did. They yeah, just drove you away. Yeah, now, I, I understand, and I and I have a Mac machine in my rack of computers here, uh, or a, a Windows machine, actually a couple of them, and they're much better about that than they used to be. But yeah. for a for for many years, it was. Yeah. Literally half the time when I sat down to use my computer, it would some at some point just go up oh, rebooting, <laughs> you well, know. And, and and besides that, you know, when you're working, at least somebody's paying you for for that time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was retired, and it was taking my retirement time. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that used to be my at work. It would be my okay. It's time for management by walking around, and I would start walking. Around. <laughs> you could tell when my computer's updating because that's when I would take a walk and start seeing. Yeah. Well, how, how's it going in here, guys? <laughs> Anything I can help you with? Yeah. 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 So uh, Volvo has apparently in their manufacturing uh, building or their manufacturing uh, group said that they're giving all of their engineers Apple watches. Yeah, I thought, how cool is that? The mm-hmm. face gets big enough that you can 
show a schematic or something as to how to, how to fix this joint or something. <laughs> I think when mostly, they're they're, from what I read, is mostly what they're doing it for is because they've written some custom software, and this will give notifications directly to people. So, um, it, it, And it mostly had to do with customer service. And so... Um, you know, they didn't have to necessarily do it with an Apple Watch, but they just decided that's where they were going to do their development. And and it was mostly so that, that uh, and they say engineers, but a lot of it was just um, uh, service people and things like that being notified that, hey, there's somebody here to pick up their vehicle so that they would know to go do it. They didn't have to go check a window or, you know, it. Be, what what it was is now, now they're being notified actively as in, instead of them passively having to go check a board yeah. or something. And so uh, they're using it as a way to enhance their customer service to get to and from. Um, and they said it's easier to train new technicians on the uh, Apple Watch and iPhone than it was on the desktop systems because, you know, they'd have to go back to their office or back to their computer, wherever it's located, to see what's the next thing up or, or, or if, if they needed to do something actively. So it makes yeah. a lot of sense. You know, it's like well, we've got well, portable computing. Now let's use it. Well, you know, that's one of the things that I thought I would use a lot. And is the notifier aspect, but mm -hmm. the fact is, is I find even that a nuisance. I because the by the time I, well, first of all, it does. I, I've got the ringer off, so I have to respond to vibration. Right. But by the time the vibration gets my attention, and I get it up to where I want to read it, then it pops off the screen. Aha. Uh -huh. You know, and I said, "Geez, that was a waste of time." You I know? wonder how adjustable that is, because I, 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 I get. A fair number, but I, I've gone in and done lots of customization to as to what does and doesn't notify me, because mm -hmm. you can spend the day, you know, being buzzed every time something happens anywhere in the world. Yeah. It seems like so, um, right. you know, you've got to you, you really got to moderate manage that notification. Otherwise, but, the, but if you, you just accept you, the defaults, it's annoying but, as all get out. But, but you'd think that once you put your wrist up, that motion alone should lock that thing in until you've got a reasonable chance of reading it. Or maybe you should have to even push a button to turn it off when you're done. You know, but I mean, I, I can't even get up there to start to scroll up on the, the thing in time to save it it's yeah it's just uh an, an, another nuisance it's not do, not working so i pretty much ignore the vibrations even i probably ought to just turn that off it takes energy you know so yeah it 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 sounds like a good idea but it's just never worked for me yeah you know it's um it's it it is it's it's taking something that's supposed to be a feature and turning it into a nuisance. Yeah, that's the kind of way I see it, and and I I don't even think about it as being useful anymore. <laughs> it's just you know. Yeah. Now, so I, I haven't read anybody complaining about it. So, <laughs> so um, I went to uh, Apple's communities where somebody posted notifications disappear too quickly. How can I get them to stay longer? This is on my Apple Watch. And you scroll down, and it says, five people, have. I too have this question. And there are no replies. <laughs> Nobody has. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you got notifiers. That's a feature, right? Except it doesn't work. Yeah. Practically. Yeah. So anyway. I I have another I found another article in the in the Apple uh, communities as well saying basically sort of the same thing that alerts are disappearing too quickly, 
And the only response is that there's a guy here who's a recent uh, Android convert. And he says, yeah, kind of sucks. I could adjust this on Android. (laughs) (laughs) Hum, Apple, I see an opportunity to improve something. Hmm. Yeah. So, Yeah. anyway, it, it, it would take a while to get me back to try it again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well... That's anyway, kind of, oh, yeah. the, there was one more thing. Apple Spring event. So there's been rumored that it's going to be on the 8th, which means that they would have to announce it today or tomorrow. So we'll see if they actually do. Um, uh, the, the, the other reason is if you go clear to the bottom of that article, yeah, it, it has what will be done later in the year, what won't be right. in the show. And I right. thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, there's lots of rumors about you know stuff. So the question is, what is that stuff, right? Right. And and we know there's lots of things sort of in the pipeline, um, you know. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's the, the thing that they think that won't be. The only one that they're saying won't be there that I can see that I, well, that I, that I think was obvious was the, um, that might be, well, two here, I guess I should say. One is the uh, 27-inch iMac. They're saying it's not going to be in the show. And I've heard some rumors yeah. that thought it might be, but I can see them putting that off till a bit later in the year. But the other one is the enhanced AirPods Pro that we've been assuming are going to use the U1 chip for better, higher bandwidth. Um, And so, you know, yeah. But the things that are happening, they're saying, is uh, a a new low-end MacBook Pro, uh, the higher-end MacBook Mini, so they can get rid of the Intel-based Minis that they're still selling. Um, Yep. Uh, well, that's a high priority. That's going to happen, right? Which is why I thought that they might be moving on the the larger, the twenty seven inch iMac more quickly as well, because the one that they currently sell is yeah. Intel based. And I would, you know, of their consumer products, the only two that still have Intel based things are the Mini and the larger iMac. Well, the rest, and plus the fact that when they came out for, uh, for the announcement of the M one, they they said two years right. is when they would be finish the transition. Well, that'd well, be this fall. Uh, that's this meeting. No, is that'd it, be this is it fall. fall. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, and and notably, they have uh, they're still selling an Intel Mac Pro, an Intel iMac, the large iMac, and they're still selling the higher end Mac Mini with Intel. So they have three devices that they have yet to switch. So we'll see when yeah. that when that actually happens. Um, but the, the things they think are going to happen is an updated iPhone uh, SE the third version of that, and they think that'll have the new guts in it, but basically look the same as the one that, that it's replacing, still having a button yeah. on the front. There still seem to be a lot of people who just don't want to change from the button. They don't want to go to Face ID. They just like the button. They like the way it works. They're saying, don't screw with my phone. Just give me one like that. And so they want to keep one of those in their pipeline. Uh, the other thing yeah. is an upgraded MacBook Air, or I mean, sorry, iPad Air, that will um, ha- basically have the same guts as the iPad Mini, because uh, they've they've rebranded the mini to basically look like a small air instead of like a small regular iPad and and yeah. so uh, which makes sense that matches the, their price point for the mini better anyway um, but that means that the air right now is still 4G and has the uh, the older processor in it so the new processor will give it a little bit more speed but most notably a lot more um, battery pow- power because the new a- the the A15 chips from the iPhone 13 are significantly more um, uh, judicious in their use of energy. Yeah. Uh, 
and then the last thing is then the like we said the the mini pro the high end macbook mini which is currently available as an intel device and i'm you know they want to get those intel devices out of there um, I'm a little surprised that they're saying that they think that a, a an M2 MacBook Pro, the low-end MacBook Pro, uh, would come out before the replacement of the 27-inch iMac. You know? Why why come out yeah. with a replacement for an M1 processor before you get rid of the last Intel processor? Yeah, that doesn't you know? sound right, does it? No. <clears throat> that one is the Probably. one I might debate. But we'll see. By the way, I, w- I was going to tell you about your sister and her boys. You know, I got all of my grandkids a uh, uh, graduation, high school graduation gift as they were growing up. Right. And I've still got two two grandkids left. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of thought recently. I don't I don't know what grade uh, Noah is now, but he's twelve, so mm-hmm. he's getting close to. He's in uh, middle school. Yeah, middle school. So I guess you got to be 16, 17 usually when you graduate. From seventeen school. or so eighteen. So he's got a while. Yeah. So it, it's a ways off, but in the meantime, uh, Brian uh, bought a uh, an iMac. I don't know if you're aware of that. No. Uh, and unfortunately, it was just before the uh, high speed no, improvement. Just, just before <laughs> they went to the uh, the M1 chips. Well, and he got a good deal, and that's why. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he understood why. I I haven't really talked to him about it. Yeah. But but the boys are using it now. Yeah. And so. they're experiencing the same thing that I did, which is once you put a Mac in a house with a bunch of Windows computers, everybody goes, I want to use that. Yeah, well, uh, the Windows computers are all their business computers. Haley right. and Brian both have their own business computers. Right. They won't let, they won't let them on that. So right. But the boys use, was I don't know, they were either Windows computers or Chromebooks that they were using for school. They had laptops, right? I think so. they have a Chromebook for school. Yeah, yeah, that's issued by the school. Ah, okay, I didn't know that. So that's essentially yeah. the kids' work computer, right? Right. So the so, only time I would say that kids uh, would say I want the Windows computer instead of the Mac, at least in my experience, is if they're a gamer. Well, they pay, they are. Their kids are gamers. You know? Right, but they use their <laughs> but they're they're not uh, PC gamers. They use their their Xbox or their PS or ps5 right. or whatever they they're they're uh you know what, and it's funny because in the gaming world there there are very um distinct lines between pc gamers versus console gamers right you know yeah they're, they're just it's funny how that all you know plays out um but uh you know they, they can play their console games on the consoles and if they want to play on the mac they can you know there there are there are games on the mac but they're just not the same level of games same kind of games yeah. So. All right. Well, we kind of ran the gamut. We 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 yeah. talked about all the stuff we were going to talk about. So I think we've wrapped it up. Thank you all okay. for joining us today on Generation Tech. We are part of the Shack Outback Network. We hope that you enjoyed the show, and if you uh, like it, you might want to check out some of our other shows. We have Two for Brew and Two Minute Tech, and you can check those out if you go to shackoutback.studio. Have a great Have one. Have a good day, Todd. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey there. How you doing? Oakley dokley. I uh, I got about a half a charge. I don't know if that's enough to 
get through the show or not. Uh, probably, I guess I can take the charger with me. That's what I'll have to do. So, Half a charge on which device are you referring to? The phone. That's the only thing that works. With with Skype. That's who. It always comes in there. Well, anyway, okay. let me do my migration. I'm going to Mom was just telling me that I ought to give you a call. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was uh, kind of in a panic just just 30 minutes ago. I picked up my phone to see how what the battery was. It occurred to me, and man, it's just right right ready to die, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. We're on and we're plugged in, so we should be good to go. How are you this morning? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, Just, uh, I got a little late start here in terms of putting finding articles that I thought might be something we could talk about. Yeah, when I wake uh, up on probably... Mondays, I tend to kind of look and see what you found um, and where kind of where you're at. If you scroll back up beyond where you started today... You'll see that Friday you sent something on FBI warning about strikes and schemes to break into your phone and nab money. And then I sent something about Apple imagines a Mac inside of a keyboard device. So I figured those would be the first two. And then because uh, those were we sent those on Friday and then go from there. OK. Uh yep. We want to start with the. uh FBI. Yeah, we'll just start at the top and thing. work our way down. That was the first one you mentioned, right? Yes. Okay, we're going now, right? All right, right. yeah. So 